Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning. We have all your NBA offseason action right here at the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Schlecht, joined by Rich Hoffman. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss the breaking stories on your favorite team, so go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. Coming up on today's show, the Sixers are making changes, and it started today with a big one. The Al Horford trade, which we've known about for roughly a month, uh, was actually completed today. Uh, Rich, what are your thoughts on the trade overall, the trade value, uh, things like that. Hey, Andrew. Um, you know, I actually thought it was pretty good value from the Sixers standpoint. And I, I will say, like, from uh, for Oklahoma City, you know, it's been a great offseason. I don't think I've ever seen a team retool in this manner. And I have some experience, like, right. looking at teardowns up close because we had one of those here to, uh, to start this about seven years ago. But the, the amount of First round picks that Sam Hinkie has acquired, or sorry, Sam Presti has acquired that Sam Hinkie used to acquire, uh, has been really impressive. Um, I will say I went into this offseason thinking that Al Horford's contract um, was going to be tougher to move than, than it ultimately was, and you know I think the the pick that they gave to Oklahoma City, it, it's a good pick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's five years out, right? I actually, I actually first reported it and I, I am now. Right. Blind it <laughs> it's now. been, it's but been that long. I'm, it's, it's five years, it's five years out. There's a good chance it'll be, you know, like top, I think it's like top eight protected. Mm-hmm. So who knows how good the Sixers are going to be uh, in five years from now. And I think that's the right way to go about it from Oklahoma city standpoint. But you know, with that and, uh, and the second round pick this year, which was, you know, a decent pick. The Thunder took uh, Teo Maladon. And uh, my, my boy, Vasilye Misic, who's been waiting overseas for forever. If you told me at the beginning of the offseason that was all it was going to take to move Horford, um, I, I would have been on board with that. because, And, and I, I guess the, the main thing I'll say to wrap it up is that Al Horford, I don't think he's completely washed up yet, but the Sixers and him were a terrible fit. Uh, he filled their backup center need. They were terrible with that a couple years ago. You can argue that's why they lost the Toronto playoff series, but the the Sixers overcorrected there, and Al Horford couldn't play with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid at the same time. And when you're paying somebody $28 million a year, that's a problem. Yeah, I think the Thunder kind of think of it in two ways. I think they really wanted Mallet on for one, and – I think they were excited to get him at the spot that they did because he was projected first round um, by a lot of people. But I also think they think of this similar to Chris Paul, where they think, okay, like Al Horford might have been in one of the worst situations possible for him last year. And we're going to bring him here. And because there's a million shots to go around this for the Thunder, that he could average 17 and 8 this season, you know, as long as he's with the Thunder and look like he's a whole new man, like just like Chris Paul did. And maybe they can flip him uh, for another pick or at least a second round pick and maybe some, some expiring contracts or something like that. I don't disagree with that. I think that the Sixers main, the main story of this offseason was one getting a little more financial flexibility and the thunder, you know, with their direction are able to, they're able to take on Horford's contract. You know, mm-hmm. it's still, 
it is what it is. But for for a team that is is looking to go into rebuild mode, I think Josh Richardson's kind of a similar player where he didn't fit quite as well in Philadelphia because they just weren't the quick trigger three pointers. But yeah, if you say that Al Horford gets to run pick and roll with Shea Gilgis Alexander as a uh, as a five man, I still think he has value doing that, and I would expect him to play better than he did last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us give us like the quick one minute rundown on on Mitchich and what kind of player is he and do you have any idea if he'll be coming to the NBA at any point I'm not sure he'll he'll, he'll go to the NBA I actually wrote about him during the kind of the beginning of the pandemic when we had nothing else to write about because he had a, a very impressive season last year with uh, Anadolu Efes in in Istanbul they were the best team outside of America last year I mean they were the top of the Euro League and their two best players were Shane Larkin, who I think, you know, even reasonable NBA fans remember maybe mm-hmm. when he played at uh, Miami, former first-round pick, and uh, Vasilye Misic, who he was a guy who the Sixers took, I think, with like the 40th pick in 2014, somewhere in the 40s. And he is, you know, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he's at about 6'4", 6'5", and his main skill is that he runs pick-and-roll about as well as anybody in uh, in Europe, and you know he can he can shoot it from pretty deep. He's got some some great passes. He's not the most athletic guy in the world, so you know as like a 26, 27 year old, will he come over? I'm not sure. He does make good money over there in uh, in Europe, but I would say he's probably one of the better European players to have because if he came over here, I, I do think like he would be able to play in an NBA rotation. Yeah, it seems like a guy that maybe doesn't fit where the Thunder are headed, but perhaps he could just be flipped, you know, to somebody else, and somebody else views him as as, as yeah. valuable. Because I'm yeah, it was weird. I, I thought he fit what the Sixers needed more, kind of yeah. as a shooter and a ball handler. But oh well, right. Uh, so Daryl Morey made the switch from Houston. We'll talk a little bit more about Houston in a, in a little bit, but. Do you feel like a rejuvenated hope for this team? Because, I mean, I've, I've listened to your podcast. I listened to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And before Daryl Morey came, it kind of felt like, oh, no, all right, here we go again. Who knows what's going to happen? Probably not going to end up being a very good season. And then we'll go on to the next one. But ever since Daryl Morey came along and brought in shooting and an understanding of who Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are, it feels like there's some rejuvenated hope. Yeah, last season I don't think you can underestimate how tough that was at times for uh, for Sixers fans because you know the last three or four years or or maybe the two or three years prior to last year they, they were on a pretty strong upward trajectory mm-hmm. and, and there was a feeling like all right they're they're knocking on the door but they have these two young guys and you know one year they they had all of the shooting the next year they had Jimmy Butler and Tobias okay they're they're going to get better and. Last year was a step in the wrong direction. They went way too hard on the we're going to be big and play, you know, bully ball offense and smash mouth defense type of thing, and it just didn't work out. You need uh, you need shooting around those two. So, yeah, I would say uh, just in general, like the amount of poor moves that the post-Sam Hinkie front offices have made, you know, whether that was Brian Colangelo or Elton Brand uh, running it, all of their big moves – None of them really worked out. The best one was Jimmy Butler, and they weren't even able to keep him. So I, I do think, like, getting Daryl Morey is the big part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what he did this offseason, th- there is some optimism. You know, I think this team 
can maybe get back to the 2017-18, you know, put a bunch of shooting around Ben and Joel and maybe get back to uh, a little bit more of respectability. I'm not sure they are uh, title contenders as constituted, but certainly seems like it'll be more fun. But I would say more of the optimism just comes from, okay, you have Daryl Morey in here. He, you know, I think by most people's estimation, he's one of the top five GMs in the league. And for the Sixers to uh, to acquire him, I, I think there is a a hope and kind of a faith placed in his uh, his track record that he will be able to figure out whatever uh, this team needs. And there's a there's a clear link to uh, to Daryl and the biggest story in the NBA right now, and James Harden, in which we have found out that he did take a COVID test at the Toyota Center. It's funny they have to say the Toyota Center. You don't just say Houston. Like that's not that's not enough anymore. Um, but he's he's with the team, and and who knows what that really means for the Rockets. But it feels like a trade is imminent, and they will be linked to the Rockets will be linked to the Sixers until a trade is made either to the Sixers or somewhere else. But uh, from your vantage point, what is the right trade package if the Sixers were indeed to trade for James Harden? So it's, it's a really interesting question. Houston is in a a very tough spot here with, uh, with Harden's uh, exploits over the uh, weekend, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. And just, I think that's a precursor to this being, you know, a, a tough situation. I would say uh, the Sixers really have kind of a, a pretty defined hierarchy in terms of trade assets and, and players. You know, I don't like calling players assets, but whatever. So in terms of like the the good stuff, the the players or, or picks that they uh, they have available, they have two really, really good things, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, they don't really have a lot. They don't – I wouldn't say they have like a B-level um, – asset or player Tobias Harris's contract is just not good um you know decent player but it's not something you'd want to take back in a trade especially for one of the top five players in the league and then you know they have a you know they have these guys Shake Milton Matisse Dybul they have all of their picks but you know if you are uh if you're trading James Harden to this team you would expect them to be pretty good mm-hmm. for a couple of years so it, it'll be interesting I would say like so far, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers have been pretty firm on, like, we want to see what this team does. They do not want to break up MB and Simmons. I think with getting Danny Green and Seth Curry, it, it almost feels to me like they they want to see what this team looks like first. And I believe that's that's been reported, that uh, that they have not had conversations there yet. But it is a natural fit, not only because... Ben Simmons might be the best single player, and I'm I'm just going to assume it's Ben Simmons because Joel Embiid is a little bit better. I'm not sure his trade value is quite as high. He's older, he's a little more injury prone, and uh, he's under contract for a less amount of time. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons has five years left on his deal. So I guess that's where a deal would start, right? It, w- it would be Ben Simmons, and then I don't know what else. You know, if, if you were the Sixers and you decided to make that move, if you decided that Ben Simmons – you know, for whatever reason, he's just not going to get to James Harden's level, which is, you know, I, I think like the difference between a third team play NBA player and an all-star like Ben Simmons and James Harden, it's it's a pretty big difference, yep. right? James Harden is a, a superstar. He is one of the five, six best players in the league. And, and there's a big difference between that and just being an all-star. So if they were to put him on the table, though, if I were the Sixers, I would not be like, to uh, gung-ho about putting anything else in there because 
from all of the reporting around the league, I'm not sure what offer is beating Ben Simmons by itself. So, you know, could you throw in a couple of extra first-round picks or a Shake Milton or a Matisse Thybul, Tyrese Maxey? I don't know, maybe. But I would not be, like, uh, looking to uh, to give the Milwaukee-Drew Holiday package plus Ben Simmons that uh, that Houston seems to be looking for. Yeah, and, and plus, like you said, I don't I don't know who's going to step up and and give that type of deal, especially for a player that's had the behavior of James Harden the past few days. They're like, okay, well, you can go ahead and live with it, Houston, because it doesn't seem like it's going to get much better. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what what the Nets have to offer, I mean, that is, I mean, it's just a pile of mediocrity, and it's just a just going to send you right to the middle. Is all it's going to do for Houston, and in the middle, probably for a while which is like NBA purgatory. And so you can just say, hey, if you want to do that, that's fine. Because the Sixers will still be good. The Sixers will still be a top team in the Eastern Conference no matter what happens. But I think you do have to admit, like having James Harden and Joel Embiid... It'd be pretty cool. That would yeah. be pretty great. <laughs> I mean, that would, yeah. that would send you close to the top of the East, if not to the very top of the East. And then it's funny, you've got... You'd have like the James Harden, Kevin Durant battle, and then you'd have possible like first round matchups with Russell Westbrook. You have like the the former Thunder team just like spread out throughout the Eastern Conference would be kind of interesting. Yeah, and I think like if you look at the potential fit between James Harden and Joe Embiid, not not only are they two top ten players, they seem like they cover up each other's weaknesses yep. pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, James Harden, not known as the greatest defender in the world. Well that's that's cool. Joel Embiid is, uh, you know, when he's engaged, he's probably one of the two or three most impactful player, uh, defensive players in the NBA. And, uh, and Embiid has really struggled over the past couple of years. Like his post-up game kills people in the regular season, but he's struggled translating his offensive game to, uh, to the playoffs and having somebody like James Harden, who's just taking up so much of an offensive burden that, you know, that, that was the Sixers weakness last year. By just adding Harden, your perimeter creation goes from you know like a, like a D minus F to an A right away. So uh, yeah, I think like for, from the Sixers standpoint, I, I don't want to say that there isn't any risk in uh, not doing the move because that's something you would have to think of. Like you know, how long do you have where Joel Embiid is healthy and one of the top players in the NBA? Like is his, is his health a ticking time bomb? I don't know that, but mm-hmm. but maybe. How long do you have for for James Harden to be an elite player? You know, is there like a three year window? Well, I think you'd want to maximize that, right? When you would have those two guys together. So there's a lot to think of, um, a lot of moving parts. You also have the, uh, you know, Daryl Morey was that team's general manager. What like two months ago? Um, right, so, D- days ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and he, you know, it sounded like he was. Uh, He's going to take a year off, and then, oh, he's in Philadelphia. So, you know, I I don't know what his relationship is like with uh, Tillman Fertitta. You would would hope, for the Rockets' sake, that Tillman Fertitta would just be willing to make a move and do the best deal with whoever it is, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's no, uh, you know, dealing with with emotion that's not, you know, you you make the best move for your franchise and move on. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's, I think the way you put it was good. Like, I'm not sure how interested the Sixers are right now, but but it is a deal that is going to be talked about, rumored until James Harden is moved. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's an obvious fit. I, I don't want to say that it isn't. 
And what's nice, and I think you've talked about this on your podcast, Sixers Beat, is that this team, not only with Joel Embiid, but the the supporting cast that they put around them is not only perfect for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, it's actually already perfect for James Harden and Joel Embiid. So they don't have any worries about having to make any other moves once they, if they did acquire James Harden. I mean, you've got Danny Green and Seth Curry and Matisse Tybel and then like the, the long shot of a Terrence Ferguson working out. Like those guys would fit well around them. Yeah, I think additional shooting, it's not a, it's not only a Ben Simmons centric uh, solution. You know, he, J- right. James Harden needs the floor spread for him. You know, he, I, I think we, we saw in Houston, they, they spread the floor out with, with five players and, uh, you know, they had to move Capella because Westbrook was kind of, he, he needed to be the, the middle person. But yeah, of course, like Seth Curry, you're not able to leave that guy. You're not able to double off him. And James Harden has shown time and again that he's willing to uh, to make the right pass if if teams double him over half court in a way that really is kind of unprecedented for for NBA basketball. So yeah, like I think if if the Sixers end up making the decision, like it, it seems like an obvious move uh, b- between the two of them because their uh, their problems have come on the offensive end, and James Harden is. You know, whether you want to say he's, you know, the third best player, fourth best player in the NBA, he is probably, you know, like as as far as like a solo offensive option, he would turn them into like a top five offense right away. And mm-hmm. I think they do have the pieces to uh, to surround him with enough talent to to make up on the defensive end. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. You can check out Sixers Beat. You can check out Down to Dunk. You can go. Listen to No Dunks and The Athletic NBA Show and The House of Strauss. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck. You can get all of our podcasts ad-free, some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. Get a subscription today at theathletic.com slash daily ding. You never know when these promos are going to end, so get there soon. Thanks for waking up with us. And Rich, give us a ding ding. Ding ding. Ding ding.